This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We spoke to Graham Bell, one of the contestants, a former Olympic skier, and one of the contestants in Dancing on Ice. He hoped to be there for week one, but he's not going to be, and he told us uh, why. Um, plus, uh, we spoke to Queeve McDonnell, lovely guy, a comedian turned author, and uh, yeah. he was a lovely fellow, wasn't he? Don't try and Google him off the back of that spelling. That yeah, okay. That, yeah, as he'll explain. Um, yeah. We also uh, spoke to Martin Kellner with a, a week of sport on TV. Mike Ward joined us to look at the non-sporting telly. We had a bit of a chat about various things. We did, yeah. So here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, I made it. <laughs> I really took a risk last night because I didn't get to catch up with the Arsenal game till about ten minutes to go. Right. And so many times I've watched Arsenal in the last ten minutes. We call it goal at the Emirates, Mike Boville situation. <laughs> I just knew they were going to score, but they didn't. Which was uh, all credit to Palace, yes. who I thought played pretty well actually. And you know couple of good chances yeah, and nine shots bar. in the first half that did pretty good yeah talking of which Andy talking about that um, uh, who got in touch David Mitchell not that one but uh, no. the uh, the um, talk sport listener he said Paul I was watching the series The Queen's Gambit I'm on the third episode and it made me chuckle that there's a radio commentator commentating on the chess and it's a good yeah. spot that's you forget that it got mm. me thinking what would chess commentary be like on talk sport um, <laughs> well. I mean look we did the we did the uh, I said it wouldn't work and let's be honest it probably didn't. We did the poker about a thousand years ago. Poker on the radio. He, he did his best, old Beaky. Uh, he said, uh, yeah. So uh, David says, I can imagine now, now Adrian shouting down the mic 4.50 on a Saturday afternoon. There's been a pawn taken at the Winter Palace. But which way has it gone, Mike Boville? Well done, David. Good work. Yeah. That's very good. And uh, yeah, Tierney was a big miss for Arsenal, wasn't he, last yeah. night? He's, he's been a big part of what they've done. Uh, I'm very interested to see that Frank 
Lampard has asked the Chelsea players to cut out all gold celebrations. I don't think he needs to worry, to be really honest. <laughs> you don't tend to celebrate consolation goals, funnily oh, enough. Oh, come on. Have a bit of confidence, uh, man. They're right. Really? They're going to be so up after their draw against Spurs. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't see you having too many problems this weekend. I could be wrong. Now, we just heard there from Jake that Danny Drinkwater could be off, and we can file him under. I forgot he was still there, along with Odio Nogalo. I, I'd forgotten Odio Nogalo was still at Manchester United. Yeah, he's yeah. barely played. He looks like he could be off to the MLS. But this was the one, uh, Lucas Piazon, who was uh, is going to be off to Sporting Braga. He's been no, at no. Chelsea. For, he's their longest-serving player. He should really get a testimonial, except no one would turn up because they don't know who he is. Ten years. Is. Ten years he's been at the club. <laughs> And he's played just once in the Premier League. I mean, what happened there? Well, what happened was basically wasn't good enough. Oh, okay. He was one of those. <laughs> Thank you very much well, for getting to the nub of the problem. <laughs> and he was one of those players that came, you know, that was sort of income generating. So you basically you you get this player, you pay him a certain amount, and then you charge a loan fee. Then you'd hire him out, yeah. like a like you yeah. know, like your tools for hire generator. Basically, it's, yeah. Isn't it a marvellous way to treat human beings? Of course not. Of course not. That's not the no. way football works. No, no. It? Look, it was an answer to FFP, you know, financial fair play. It was a way yeah. of trying to generate income, but he was a victim of it. And there have been a few of them, and Michael Hector was around for a bit of time. Yeah. There have been a few that haven't really played much, but uh, but I was looking at the programme. I mean, Chelsea have got, and other clubs too, 11 games between now and the end of February, five more this month, six in February it's a it's a make or break period really for, for most clubs and certainly for Chelsea yeah. they just and with, with a virus, I reckon they need to win about 9 out of the 11 otherwise they're not going to have any sort of season and still with the virus raging as well it's going to be so difficult how many of those games are going to be called off how many are going to have to be mm. rescheduled it's, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty tough at the moment I think but uh, we'll see how things pan out it's not good. Um, what else have I got here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this story really touched me because this is a jogger. You remember how I've been going on about I'm very anti-jogging in lockdown? Yeah. Especially uh, in, along the river corridor around here in the Thames where it's quite narrow. Quite and you narrow just can't av- footpaths next to the Thames yeah, where you, you live. You, yeah. just can't, you just can't avoid people. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is a jogger called Gary Purnell who was warned by uh, a COVID marshal. I didn't even know we had them. But anyway, oh, this yeah, is what it was. Here. What are they wearing? Yeah. Are they wearing... Like the old games makers outfits from London 2012, <laughs> or they just normally dress people in a, in a sort of orange high vis vest. Possibly, I've not, I've not, the sort of I've Corona not, hat. I've not, I have no idea. Not, yeah, what like a, like a Green Bay Packers cheese or something? I've not noticed a, a Corona hat. You'd notice them, wouldn't you? A kind of little one of those. Uh, my old man's uh, Marshall. He wears a Corona hat and a pair of Martin, gold, blimey, Martin Ellis Jones. Yeah. Martin Ellis Jones is thinking might go into the Corona hat business. Yeah, that's no, right. Well, like, no call for top many, hats. You don't do many top hats at Ascot, unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway, he he was basically running by uh, the Thames Path in Hammersmith, yeah. and he was told off and uh, warned about breathing heavily. Oh, well, it's a quite difficult when you're running, isn't it? <laughs> Well, look, there are some runners who are like Mo Farrow, who hardly, you know, Mo runs about uh, 12 miles or something, and he's not even out of breath. And you get other people like myself, or this bloke, no disrespect, Gary, but you, who, <laughs> you know, who just like puffing billies, you know, it's, sort of, it's revolting. I haven't been for a run since lock, the first lockdown, because I, I think it's too I wonder antisocial. Why you bolt up. 
No, I haven't bogged up. <laughs> Wonder why you're wearing the elastic waistband trousers, living in tracksuit bottoms these days. I've been Having your MRI at, at the home. zoo. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> anyway, I mean, when you look at him, I mean, you just think, oh, that's not surprising, is it? Go and run in the park, mate. Go and run away from people. Don't run where yeah. other people are. That'd be a great idea. Uh, do you see the pigeon? who is uh, a great racing pigeon, but I know they go a long way, but this one turned up 9,000 miles wow. from where he started. In, he started in America, and he ended up in, that is in Montgomery, Alabama, yeah. and uh, he ended up in Melbourne. Okay. And now the Australian where was he, where authorities... Where was he headed for? Is he, did he go off track, or was he meant to go to Melbourne? It doesn't really say. They're, they're, they're trying to get hold of the owner, but uh, it's too late for a reunion because... Uh, they're basically, the Australian authorities are worried about the pigeon carrying diseases, and it looks like it might be destroyed, which is a bit of a pity. They they're worth a in, lot of money. Can't they put it in a little kind of travel lodge for a couple of weeks, like they do with Australians? <laughs> slide millet under the door or something. Yeah. Seems a shame. It's, it's, imagine that. Imagine if you'd flown nine thousand miles, only it'd be not, you know. Butchered, basically. <laughs> Only just you, know, you think, oh, I'm not, I could do of a kip. Maybe not as long as you're planning, Australian authorities. <laughs> Should we start some sort of campaign to save the 9,000 mile? We haven't really got the time or the impetus that we really are. No. He was found by idea. a bloke in Australia called Kevin Chelly Bird. C E L L I hyphen Bird, which is the odd bird. It's quite odd, really. That's great. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. It does sound like the music that introduces the MD to the stage, doesn't it? Please welcome yeah. <laughs> the it managing director of Thermoplastics today. Anyway, it's not. It's the theme, of course, to uh, Dancing on Ice. It returns uh, this weekend. And um, Graham Bell, who we spoke to a month or so ago when he was uh, training for the show, uh, the former Olympic skier, he hoped to be on show one. Of course he did. He's com- competing in the show. But sadly, that won't be the case. There was a, an incident uh, with his uh, dance partner. And very pleased to say Graham joins us now. Good afternoon, Graham. Hi there. How are you doing? Yeah, what a blow, really. Not just to you, but to uh, Yebimok, your your dance partner, because I mean, you know, you've you've taken part in a in a dangerous sport, and I suppose we could file um, ice dance under that at times as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect, would you? I mean, the, the crazy thing is, I have a huge, you know, a huge amount of respect now for for ice dancers and figure skaters, and because you know, alpine skiers, you know, we we race down mountains, you know, ninety miles an hour, but we wear helmets, you know. If you know, if if we fall, then you know, we've got back protectors. We we actually wear clothes when you're on the ice. It's like they're wearing next to nothing, and they've got no helmets on. It's it's dangerous. Yeah. Now, Yevin, uh, I mean, you you caught her with with uh, with uh, your um, skate, didn't you? And uh, it was a really quite yeah, a nasty, so accidentally, was, but a really nasty cut. Yeah, I know, and it's the worst possible feeling. You know, if you're ever responsible for someone else getting hurt, believe me, I feel really, really bad about it. Uh, but what happened was, um, yeah, we were training, just going through our routine for the first show, uh, and we split. So we were going to go in week one. Um, we've now, I've now been moved into week two. So it's not, we're not out of the show. No. Um, but what happened was, I fell. Uh, yeah, and then I fell on my stomach. So I was sliding away on my belly, thinking, oh, it's fine. Um, uh, but Yebin fell behind me, and she fell onto the tail of my skate, which kind of sticks out, you know, out behind the heel. And I felt her land on it, and I thought, oh, that's not good. And then um, I kind of 
jumped up, had a look, and she's holding onto her shin of her left leg. And, uh, yeah, she's cupped, you know, about three centimetres long wow. and, you know, quite quite deep. Um, but, you know, these things happen. It's not the worst wound I've seen. I've seen worse on a ski hill, but it's just the worst possible time to, to get it. And, sure. You know, and it's pretty. It was pretty shocking um, at the time. But on the positive side, you know, you know, positive side, you know, she's she's okay. She's gonna be. She's gonna be okay. She, you know, she's had. Uh, she had a. She had it all stitched up. She's gonna get the stitches out in two weeks. She's walking around on it. She's got to wear a boot mm. um, just so that the stitches don't pull. Um, but, you know, she is so motivated to get back. You wouldn't believe her. I mean, I'm chatting to her every day, and, yeah, she wants to come back so much. And Good. so basically my goal now is to stay in the show so I can get Yebin back. Yeah, well, that's excellent. Yeah, that's good. Now, you're used to taking, as Paul said, taking risks in your sport, but I, I do sometimes worry about these shows, like The Jump. The, this one is also pretty dangerous. I mean, do you have to sign something saying, well, if I get hurt, that's my bad luck, or how does it work with a show like this? Um, I try not to think about it too much. You mm. know, I always reckon that the best way, the best insurance is, you know, don't fall over. I mean, you know, that's ideally the best insurance. Um, Good point. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's, if you, yeah, you know, it's, it's basically just try and, just try and stay fit. You know, I'm, I've, you know, I've been training with, uh, with Karina, who's come in to replace Yebin for the first couple of shows. Um, and, you know, I am so careful, you know, everything, you know, whenever you step on ice, and whenever we get together, particularly now, because I can't hurt another pro. If no. I do, then... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are among the favourites, though, Graham. I was looking at the odds today. Mylene Class is 12 to 1 favourite. Then it's you, Rebecca Vardy, and Denise Van Outen, all on... Uh, actually, no, it's yeah, on 10 to 1. I think, yeah. That's a, yeah I think you're, you're... What a Joe... What I can't put a bet on, because obviously that would be... Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can tell you who the favourites are. Hmm. Uh, you know, the favourite, uh, Joe Warren Plant, right. is with Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa is the German pro who's never been off the podium right. and has, in the last three years and has won it, uh, I think, won it once. So, for me, they're the favourites. Mm. Um, they're skating really well. Uh, Rebecca Vardy's looking good. Her programme is, is great. Uh, Faye, um, uh, Faye and Hamish, they are looking good. They're looking good as well. And before before our accident, uh, I would have said that me and Yevin were up there in that kind of front runners. Yeah, we were up there in the front runners. But now it's gone from we've we've gone from being kind of potential title winners to you know avoiding relegation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all of this like one accident. Yeah, of course. You mentioned Becky Vardy there, and uh, she also had a bit of an injury. She injured her partner, Andy Buchanan, after she accidentally cut his face with her skate. Yeah. Uh, so that's another yeah, one. You'll well, be able to get a bit of inside Jen on the old Wagatha Christie. She might tell you what's really going <laughs> I think, on. I don't think legally she's able to. Well, one thing I can tell you, Graham, we, we read today, uh, they're going to limit your fake tans, the organisers. Uh, so if you were planning to have a, f- a bit fake bake, uh, before the show, then uh, apparently they're, they're going to limit those. They want to. They don't want come people coming in to give fake tans on site. They want as few people as possible because of the virus. 
Really? I yeah. didn't hear that one. <laughs> I wasn't planning on queuing up for a fake turn anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, good good luck then. Um, we, we won't see you mm. this week. I mean, you just sort of popping on the show to talk about it, or I get to do, no? I get to do a group skate. Okay, um, right, fair which enough. It's going to be kind of Ooh, weird okay. because everyone else has got a pro with them, and I'm on my own. Oh, Billy No Mates, what a shame! Well, yeah, look, we, shame. We, we wish uh, you having a, a speedy re- uh, recovery, and we, yeah. we look forward to seeing you on yeah. the show soon. Thanks, Graham. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. The trophy they're playing for in this particular yeah. tournament is the Moose Cup. The Moose Cup. I know he's finally got his name on a cup. <laughs> does, it, does it come filled with tuna and sweet corn? It does. It does, in which you then microwave and then basically stink out the whole of gall. Not great. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Queeve McDonald was a former comedian turned uh, author and um, that's a pretty good career move in current mm. situation, I'd say. One easier to do <laughs> than the other right now. Uh, he loves his sport as well. He has a new book out. It's called uh, The Stranger Times and he joins us now. Good afternoon, Queeve. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, thank you. I mean, you didn't make this career change uh, as a response to, uh, to the virus. You've, you've been writing previous to that. But as I said, in, in terms of being able to do one thing when you can't do the other, it's, it's not a bad, it wasn't bad timing. No, a good friend of mine, a comedian called Gary Delaney, mm. who I've lived with for years before I, uh, before he got married and all that, as he said, it's the finest piece of comedic timing I've ever managed in my career was. <laughs> I was a bloke who retired before everyone else got forced to. Um 
So fingers crossed, you know, they'll be back. But yeah, it's not it's not been good for the old stand-up scene, unfortunately. No. Now I, I, I've got to be honest. I've got I've downloaded one of your uh, books. It was on offer on uh, Kindle, and I it was that kind of it's interesting from your marketing. If you look upon me as a one-man focus group, but I like the title and I like the artwork. I, like, I thought, and then I read oh, yeah, the premise lovely. based on that, and I thought, yeah, this is good. So I, I, you know, I do a lot of books. I bought it and I've parked it, and I will read it now. We've spoken to you today, but it's interesting the way that people do make those decisions isn't it really when they're buying books like that yeah no it's absolutely it's it's uh, especially with things like the kindle now it's changed things a lot where um like i've i've written nine books as queeve as, as crime things and you can you know if somebody gets one on a special deal and, and likes it there's loads of other books there for them so it makes sense but it's weird yeah you're saying like color people do judge by covers and stuff like that because there's so many books out these days that something grabs somebody's eye you've got to you've got to get them quick yeah now, uh, Queeve uh, obviously is a name that people it's pronounced nothing like it's spelled, and apparently no one could ever pronounce your name on the comedy circuit. But in this book, you've you've gone out as C.K. McDonald. Is, is that because people find it difficult to pronounce your name? What was yeah. the reason behind that? Well, basically, uh, long story short, yeah, it's uh, it's a little too <laughs> Irish for um, for a couple of reasons. People genuinely, like, my my editor is a lovely man, but he's very English, and there was that <laughs> that conversation where you could see him trying to build up to trying to tell the Irish guy that they'd like to change his name because it was too Irish. And I mentioned it, and the honest to God, he nearly collapsed in relief. We got, oh, thank God, because we really <laughs> didn't want to be the ones to tell you this. Uh, but yeah, no, the I mean, if you, if the readers want to have or the listeners want to have some fun. Um, by all means, have a game of hangman with yourself and see if you can get it. Because the phonetic spelling of my name features none of the letters that are in my name. Yes, very <laughs> true. Point out, it's spelled C A I M H. So, yes. but I think people are used, you know, used to Irish spellings of names now, and they are prepared for the fact that uh, it isn't. It's going to be pronounced. They usually like the have some. Spell. I mean, like Siobhan is Siobhan. So well, yeah, but that's some yeah, sort. Yeah, of, if you know anybody you know. called Siobhan and who's constantly called Siobhan, that's not a lot of fun either. <laughs> and I do. Yeah, so that, that actually is my sister. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the, we should the, the design of the books. They're the sort of black and red covers. They're very, very distinctive. Uh, typographically, mm. they're very good as well. I mean, who did you design these yourself, or did someone do them for you? They're very good. We hire people. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, we had a sort of lot of input in it because, um, but yeah, we kind of went because there are funny crime books and there's not a lot of them around because mm. they do this thing like you'll notice on thrillers, lads. If you if you see basically you're that Lee Child look where there's the bloke walking off into the distance. Yeah, that's the book that is copied so much. As I'm always saying, is if you like the sight of some bloke's arse as he walks away from you, a thriller thriller reader is for you because <laughs> half of those books have that on it. God love them. Lee Charles has been copied so much. So, but we didn't fit that because my books were funny and crime. So we ended up kind of weird. It's kind of weirdly got a sort of old school classic look almost to it. Mm. That um, yeah, it does seem to really work. People seem to really like it. It's very yeah. distinctive, I guess. Do you, you self-publish? Do you, Creve? Is that is that the way it works? I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, those books were self-published. The Stranger Time is the one under C.K. McDonald. That's actually with a company called Transworld, which are part of Penguin Random House. So oh, they're, okay. they're, they're a pretty big deal. And has that, yeah, that we, deal has come about? I mean, I don't know if you were trying to get deals yourself and, you know, it's very difficult as a, as a new author. To get, is this basically off the success of what you've done so far? You, what's the advantage, would you say, of going to a, a sort of established publisher like that? Oh yeah, well it's a different thing. Like we did, we did the luckily the independent ones kind of really took off, and they mm. I went full time before this one's ever came out, and then 
it was a combination of we'd obviously had a lot of success with other ones and this is a different thing this is kind of more supernatural paranormal uh, it's, it's set in manchester in a newspaper that reports like weird news from around the world so oh. um it's kind of one of these things where the premise kind of really took off what we actually did was um it set like you know the 14 times yeah. you might see all these weird stories around the world we actually made a version of the newspaper and sent that to publishers before we ever sent them the book right. and they went mad for it and um like literally it, it's weird then we sent the book out and then we got all this excitement and not only were we getting offers for the book we actually got um it's been optioned for tv and all of this was off the fact that it weirdly just built this word of mouth kind of starting from the fact that people got really excited about the funny newspaper it's a really mm. odd thing but it really built from there and you're amazingly prolific. Did you write three books last year? Yeah. Like three well, published. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I did actually write three books. Yeah, not the same ones that were published, but yeah, three books. And because uh, basically, I don't know if you noticed, lads, not a lot else to be doing. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose that's true. <laughs> there's only so many times I can walk the yeah. jog. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say, Creve, to people who feel they've got a book in them? And I say there are more, there are more outlets. You haven't got to sort of send it off to a publisher now and just, you know, with a manuscript oh, and wait for something to come back. Yeah, no, there's loads of ways to do it. I mean, there's, it's one of these things you just kind of sit down and start writing. I always say to people, um, try and write a short story first off because mm. it's a great way of kind of getting your head into the space and it gives you something that you finish. And you know that way, if you, well, anything, if you finish something, you've got that sense of accomplishment, you can show it to people, you can get feedback. Because, you know, as you know yourself, if you've ever thought about writing a book, they're massive. I remember before I'd written one, you're thinking, God, this I could never. And I'd written lots of TV scripts mm. and everything. But I was like, the idea of a book seems immense. And yet, you know, when you when you sort of start breaking it down into smaller chunks, when you get used to the idea, then you realise it's not that bad at all. Yeah. But it definitely it's one of these things that it's worth just, just starting off small and building, I think. Finally, we are talk sport, and uh, I know you love your rugby. Uh, I mean, have you ever thought about writing? Is there much sport in the books, or is there something you might introduce, or would you like to go down that route? Uh, not a great deal. I mean, I, w I have sort of thought about it because I was actually the stadium announcer for 14 years for London Irish, would you believe? Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Back in the in Modesky Stadium. Um, I was up until the start of this season, I had to leave because I was, I was so busy with the books and all. Um, so, um, yeah, I was doing that, which is... Uh, it is an interesting, weird thing. Just quickly with London Irish, you might remember a moment. It's, it's the question of sport moment where the bloke uh, famously dived over the line, was doing the try waved and then dropped the ball oh yes but i'm like it's on question of sport every 10 years or so uh, i was the announcer when that happened and the worst view in the stadium is where i stand between the two dugouts and i actually what you don't hear when you see that clip is me going and the try for and the mic cuts out and i'm like <laughs> i'm literally there with my headphones on and the guy upstairs is talking to me and the whole bench didn't understand what had happened either so the, the, like the players are saying afterwards they only knew when they saw me turn around and go he did what brilliant well look we yeah. we wish you well with uh, the stranger times uh, uh, good to talk to you and when we're through all this uh why not pop in and see us in the in the studio and, and we'll talk again absolutely love to you gents thanks very much the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast from talk sport time then to look back on a week of sport on tv in the company as always of uh, martin kelly if you wish to get in touch you can give us a call martin of course can uh, give us the phone number to, to <laughs> just uh, looking back to last week's clips of the week i mean yes. it's about three o'clock in the morning martin we'll cut you some slack really precisely oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four we'd love to hear from you <laughs> of course so so, um, what have you enjoyed this week, Martin? 
Well, it's interesting. I watched some of these documentaries, and because I was actually around at the time, um, they're interesting to me from an archive point of view. But of course, uh, as an education, they're invaluable. I watched the uh, show called Stop the Tour Mm. on uh, BT Sport, which was about the campaign in 1970 to stop the South African uh, cricket team, which at the time was the best team in the world. And everybody, you know, if you're a cricket fan, you did want to see um, England take on South Africa. but there was a huge campaign to stop the tour. And by watching this, I mean, obviously in 1970, I was only a tiny little baby at the time. <laughs> but uh, by watching this, it tells you why it was so important. And it also it gives you a bit of context to things like Black Lives Matter. When you hear people like uh, Mike Proctor, for instance, who went to play for Gloucestershire, a uh, fantastic cricketer. And uh, he talks about when he first came over to to the UK and he saw white people cleaning the streets. It was a brilliant quote. He, he says, you know, he never, never realised that white people could do things like that, could do menial jobs, because the whole of South Africa had this support structure, which was the, the black population who did everything. And it, it sort of, it was the first time he sort of thought about uh, apartheid and the, uh, the absolute, uh, horror of it and the tragedy of it for all those um, all those years and it was a good documentary this because it went back to it went back to the Boer War even I don't go back to the Boer War but it, you <laughs> maybe, know, the it last, went, maybe the last 18 months of it come on Martin <laughs> be honest just, <laughs> just the last bit but you know it sort of went back to the formation of South Africa and the uh, National Party being elected to power in 1948 which was the sort of Afrikaans party um, if you like um, um, and so it gave you a sort of historical context for the whole thing. And but it covers uh, the rugby as well as the cricket, does it? It, it does, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Taylor, who was uh, a fine uh, rugby union player, uh, who uh, actually went on tour to South Africa because at the time, and I remember these arguments, people said, oh no, it's, it, you're, not, uh, you're not sort of justifying apartheid. What you're doing is building bridges. Mm. And it was a totally mm. false argument that by going and taking part in, uh, in sport over there, um, you were helping to build bridges. But obviously that argument was destroyed by uh, Basil D'Oliveira. Yeah. You know, when Basil D'Oliveira was chosen for the, uh, for the England cricket team to tour in 1968 to tour South Africa, uh, John, who was only chosen at the last minute, I don't know whether, I mean, you boys are probably a little bit too young, but he was only chosen at the last minute when somebody else dropped I remember dropped this out. really well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was called the Basil D'Oliveira Affair, wasn't it? Because then uh, John Forster, who was the PM of uh, South Africa at the time, um, said uh, no the, the, with Basil D'Oliveira in the team which is unbelievable really yeah. when you think of it with Basil D'Oliveira in the team um, they can't come and he came out of it with tremendous credit it was probably the only guy who did because yeah. you know, the, the MCC did try to come up with a deal where they didn't pick D'Oliveira and they could go to South Africa uh, but in the end uh, they didn't go so that's so, on BBC oh, sorry it's on BT, BT. Sport yeah, yeah BT Sport I'm, yeah. I'm sure you can still find it um, and of course they play when the uh, it was interesting that when the uh, South Africans didn't come in 1970 because it obviously was a successful campaign to stop the tour they played against uh, a rest of the world team and the players in that well there were obviously five South Africans in the rest of the world team. yeah of course so it was Mike Proctor the Pollock brothers uh, the team was led by uh, Gary Sobers uh, 
uh, Clive Lloyd was in the team, Rohan Kanhai. So, um, in actual fact, it was quite a good consolation for the uh, South Africans not coming because it was yeah. a you know a brilliant team. Sure. But yeah, it's it's a really good documentary. I mean, it's straight down the middle. It just tells you the history of it. There's Sharpeville as well. They go into the past laws that that was a demonstration and a lot of um, hmm. heroism really. Peter Hay, and he was only 19 at the time, yeah. uh, and he, his mum actually. Um, reporting on what was happening to um, Nelson Mandela when he was imprisoned in uh, 1963. So well worth, well, you know, certainly if you if you weren't around at the time yeah. uh, and you want a reminder of, you know, it puts everything into a bit of context. Sure. Really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, well worth relevant watching. now. Um, a slightly different, pitch slightly different now, I would yes. imagine, is Mark, the Mark Wright documentary on the BBC iPlayer. What's, what's Yeah, it? The Last Chance. Uh, well, Mark Wright is uh, a reality TV star. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but anyway, he uh, dances on ice and things like that. And yeah. um, he, I mean, it is interesting in a way, but that, you know, he was uh, released by Spurs and he says himself he didn't get, he didn't really put the dedication into it that you needed to. Because um, his brother's a footballer as well. He's played for yeah, Bill Josh, Wall, he, he's at, Josh, yeah, he's yeah. at Crawley now, yeah. With, Crawley, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was all about Mark. I mean, people know the story because the Bee were plugging it like mad. Um, basically, the story being that he was going to have another chance. He's 30-odd years old, 34 years old. He was going to have another chance uh, at trying to uh, make it as a footballer at uh, Crawley. But I think it was mainly a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he got on, didn't he? He got a tiny mm-hmm. cameo against Leeds yeah, cameo. People, weekend. People got a bit upset, though, that he got a lot of attention and the Crawley players who'd beaten Leeds didn't get as much but yes. I'm not sure that's entirely true but th- that's the way no. it played out well there was an awful lot of uh, tweets wasn't there about uh, why don't they bring Gemma Collins on for uh, oh, yeah. for the last uh, 90 <laughs> seconds and obviously a lot of it was just taking the mickey out of Leeds which I understand from listening to your show mm. is the uh, dentistry capital of the north of England <laughs> uh, I was listening to your show the other day yeah. Benjamin Mendy travels all the way because he we have does. such great <laughs> yeah we have such great teeth in he, t- Leeds. he took his uh, young lady who do travel he, he, yeah, he, yeah he, he brought her over here on holiday and uh, he said one day he drove me to Leeds to his dentist so I mean she didn't just yeah I don't think she had any dental work done she just sat in the waiting room reading an old horse and hound or auto car but um, now closing PBS America uh, has some fantastic documentaries uh, on it Um, and I'm not aware of closing gambit which is effectively what we're dealing with Martin is your closing gambit in this bit today which is a beautiful segue (laughs) lovely don't forget the phone number by the way yeah Seven one seven double two double three double four. Yeah, I think closing gambit is uh, it's a stuff about uh, about chess. It starts off with uh, Anatoly Karpov uh, versus Victor Korchnoi, um, who was known as Victor the Terrible. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I have a this went on at chess. I know chess is hugely hugely competitive, mm. but apparently, used to kick people's legs under the table. Wow, that's not odd, uh, is it? Like sort of Vinnie Jones, two foot. Yes. Didn't have that in the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. No, they didn't. Mm. And, of course, chess is a very male thing, um, which is what made the Queen's Gambit such a, a hit for uh, for Netflix. Yeah. And this, I think, is rather cashing in. Although it is always interesting to see. I mean, obviously, there's the um, there's the sort of capitalism versus communism thing about a lot of these mm. uh, big matches in the 1970s. Uh, Bobby Fischer was the was the guy. He was the best guy. They couldn't uh, beat uh, Bobby Fischer, and they were uh, kept trying uh, in, in Russia to get um, somebody who could uh, who could beat. 
beat him. But it's all mad chess. I remember I, I used to do a show many years ago on um, Radio 2, and there was a guy from the BBC Big Band yeah. who said, I, I was there on a Saturday, it was a Saturday night show, I was there on a Saturday afternoon. I said, I'll take you to the chess championship, because he was a real chess uh, nut. Not a chestnut, but a chess uh, maniac. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, we went along That's to ridiculous. the... <laughs> yes, it is ridiculous. We went along to the uh, the Ritz Hotel mm-hmm. where they were having the um, the chess championship. And I've never seen such a collection of balmy people there, you know, amongst the fans yeah. who sort of watch this thing. Was it like the darts? Uh, yeah. Well, not exactly <laughs> like the darts, although, yeah. um, th- you know, they, they absolutely love it. But watching, um, it, put it this way, uh, the Queen's Gambit is uh, a zhuzhed up, rather sexy version of uh, chess championships, mm. which aren't immediately apparent. to. I mean, sure, the chess people will tell me different, but yeah. not immediately apparent to the casual uh, viewer. Good stuff. Now, Martin, we've been alluding to the clip last. We are going to play the clip again. We know now it's seared into your memory, but you can maybe... Yes. It's like this is like the director's... You can tell us what was going through. Let's just play the clip from last week again. Yeah, this is Martin yeah. overnight yeah. on TalkSport, as he will be tonight. If you want to share your views, by all means do. Um, if you do want to ring us, we're... Oh, I forget the number. 0787. <laughs> is it 0787? Uh, no, 0878. I forget, I've forgotten it. Oh, what's, the, what's the telephone number? <laughs> Look, it happens. We've all done it. And as I said, it was yeah. in the middle of the night, wasn't it, really? I know. It, well, it's bizarre. That was actually right near the start of the show. Right. And sometimes it creeps up. <laughs> See, I have a little kip before I... St- you know, because it's one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, of course. Till yeah. In the- yeah. A kip before. And sometimes... I'm still half asleep when I actually start the show. Good to know. So, yeah. So what I would say, what yeah. I would say to people is, if you're looking for a clip, your best chance is just after one o'clock when I forget right. what time you, it is, what day it is, what the phone number is. You know. Yeah, well, good stuff. And, but you are back overnight tonight and tomorrow, aren't you, Martin? If I wake up, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. At one, <laughs> one o'clock. Yeah, brilliant. Good. And we'll catch up with you then. Uh, and thanks, no yeah, thanks for joining us. Cheers, Martin. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. Mike Ward, Brighton supporting star columnist, uh, takes a look at some of the non sporting telly this weekend. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi, guys. Um, Channel 4, sorry, Channel 4, BBC 4 having one of their, uh, I think BBC 2 are doing it as well. They're going to have one of their sort of themed nights musically. It's Dolly Parton's turn. A bit of Dolly Parton. I say a bit of Dolly. It's quite a lot of Dolly Parton. <laughs> I sometimes think with these Is it theme- too much? Can you I- have too much Dolly Parton? Well, in certain right? respects, I believe, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> it's kind of. Uh, Is it longer than nine to five? That's the question. Oh, I, I, I and that's when they should have put it on, shouldn't they? <laughs> Through the night until 5 a.m. That would be that would be creative thinking gone mad, <laughs> wouldn't it? BBC Two's got the start of it because the snooker's on BBC Four, right. you know, and you can't you don't want to mess with, with that. That must make structure. Dolly feel special, wasn't it? Yeah, Masters Dolly snooker. Will... <laughs> a great musical career, written some of the finest songs, biggest songs of all time. Oh, yeah, the Master Snooker's on. <laughs> I don't think she'll ever find out. No, she probably it, is my she guess. might be. She might be watching the snooker herself. I mean, it's a big game. So. Dolly Parton. Will always be in my memory. I always think of Dolly. I, I won a, a, a beat the intro phoning competition on a radio show when I was about seventeen, and wow. they sent me the prize. They didn't tell me what the prize was. I just think what was ever lying around in the office was a Dolly Parton 
album. Oh. That was crushingly disappointing because oh, I'll be okay. honest, you know that wasn't that wasn't my thing. It's but, like you're you know, not listening this afternoon. What about that and the snooker? <laughs> she's not now. Thinking, What's the point? <laughs> yeah. Really. Um, so yeah, it's a documentary about her. Then then uh, 50, uh, fifty years at the, at the is it Opry is it pronounced or Opry? the Opry? Yeah, Opry, the Grand Old Opry. Opry, 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 Opry. I think that's Oprah and Opry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is Opry. Yeah. yeah, and then the night at the Opry. <laughs> the night at the Opry with with Queen. And then at Glastonbury as well. She did a Glastonbury. She did, yeah. yeah. She was one of those classic artists who came and, and, and did it in uh, 2014. So uh, that's on at BBC Four, and you don't you only have to wait up till five to midnight for that. Thank so it, it adds up to four hours of solid dolly. Solid dolly, okay. Yeah. Um, mm. Jamie and Jimmy's feast has got a bit of a sporting angle tonight. It has, Jimmy yeah. Amir Khan and, uh, and Jamie. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Amir Khan is. Uh, this was filmed in 2019. This current series, so is it a little bit unnerving to watch everyone is squeezed into that cafe at the end of South Pier? But yeah. yeah, he's the latest guest, and they they seem quite starstruck. Not struck, but starstruck. You're going to be struck by Amir Khan. Man. I wonder <laughs> how many people are still complaining about this, even though they put up a thing saying it was yeah, filmed. This before. was recorded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I think there comes a point where you just. You know, if, if people do do that, just, there should be some kind of disclaimer at the start. Mm. Yeah, yeah, quit your whinging. It's blindingly obvious this wasn't recorded last Tuesday. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so please, we can't be bothered to waste our breath. Yeah. Exactly. Um, s- Saturday, our old mate Paddy McGuinness has got his uh, game show. It's back. Celebrity Catch Point. Have you, is this one that... Uh, it, yeah. It's, 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 it's balls related, isn't it? Very much so, yeah. yeah. Catch Point, not to be confused with catchphrase, mm. celebrity point mm. or, or pointless. Yeah. And it sounds like, or number wang, for that matter. Yeah. It could be any one of these things. But no, it's basically two teams of um, of two competing. And, and you, you answer question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it because I like to oversimplify everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you answer questions. And then in, as you answer the questions, various different balls of various different sizes drop from the ceiling, some of which are easy to catch and some of which aren't. So if you're good at catching balls... Um, that's what you do in this, and uh, the more challenging it becomes, the more you can win with a cash prize of some sort at the end. I mean, if, if you're sort of mm. Jack Callis or whatever, I mean, you, if you're, you, somebody could make a few quid out of this, couldn't they, out of this game? Yeah. Or, you know, well, there's certain could, levels could. of expectation depending on... <clears throat> yeah, absolutely, yeah. depending on who's... Greg Rutherford is among the... Um, oh, OK. Um, you're enjoying the Mars singer, you've told us. Um, Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was Martine McCutcheon. Martine McCutcheon turned out to be a swan. Who'd have thought? Okay, it? who's the sausage then? Who's the sausage? Well, it's a question on everyone's lips. I don't know if I'm honest. I don't know who the sausage is, but uh, okay. I'd be prepared to get, hazard a guess that it's not going to be Martin McCutcheon again, unless she's Nikki really. Nikki Banger, rude. the former South, uh, Southampton Banger. player, could be the sausage. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be very creative. Does everybody call themselves Banger? Who's well, I don't. I always called him Nikki Banger, but yeah, uh, it's yeah, it like the former Reading goalkeeper, wasn't it, Steve Dayas? Yeah, that's right. You're oh, not yeah. calling anybody. Now we um, we spoke earlier on. Uh, to Graham Bell, the former Olympic skier, and he can't he can't do show one. Mike, you'll be aware of this because uh, he accidentally uh, got caught his skate on his partner. She got a very nasty cut, so she yeah. she'll be out for the first couple of weeks. Yes, it's it's. it's I- you know, I, I've talked about Dancing on Ice before. I'm not as much of a fan of Dancing on Ice as I am of Strictly because of the cold. You know, the, we've talked about my you cold don't like the co- You don't like watching anything in the cold, don't do like you? watching anything in the cold. <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, You're and, a stranger, man. Of ski Sunday. Yeah. So if oh, Ski God. Sunday oh. comes on, or a David Attenborough in, in, with the polar bears, do you have to turn the heating? Oh up? God, yeah. And <laughs> and uh, when they used to play a lot more football matches in the snow, and they just cleared the lines yeah. and played with the very very orange ball, couldn't watch that. 
That one didn't really count as proper football. I always remember feeling really quite disappointed. That's not a real game. You're a funny bloke, Mike. Now that is not uh, in the right sense. Now, <laughs> Six PM ITV <laughs> on Sunday night. Uh, new drama uh, series. Yes. Um, and uh, cracking cast in it, uh, got a yeah. good writing pedigree. What's it? Have you seen a previous called Finding yeah, Alice? Finding Alice, yeah. The people who, uh, essentially the people who did the Durrells, um, oh, Simon yeah. Nye, who, who wrote that, he's co-written oh. this, and Keely Hawes is involved in the creation of it as well. Um, and it's, it's a sort of blackly comic drama. She plays a, a woman who's basically, she and her husband and her daughter move into this uh, new house. It's a house that her husband has designed, and it's a smart house. Everything is slick and modern and electronic and techy, etc., etc. Uh, and unfortunately, in the first episode, um, he has an accident and is found dead at the bottom of the stairs oh, wow. in this property that he has designed. And one of the side effects of it is that, the consequences of it is that she has she has no idea how to work her way around this house that he's so technologically designed. So it's, as I say it sounds like a very morbid sort of setup but there's uh, there's dark humor behind it as well and it's got you know uh, nigel havers and joanna lumley and various yeah. other kenneth cranham Gemma mm. jones good yeah cast, various yeah. other recognizable faces in it so yeah 9 p.m itv sunday night finally who wants to be a millionaire an hour before that is back i think clarkson does a very solid job on he does show, he? yeah, yeah. I, I can i can never knock it it's you know it's it, everybody wondered when he took over what a strange choice and it just seems perfect now it'd be weird without him and of course we had a, a, a another jackpot winner not so long ago so will he be you know will he be looking over uh, yeah. presiding over another another win before long. still very watchable telly it is it? It's, yeah. a, it's a, a good format yeah, it's a brilliant format. for a long time yeah, yeah. sure yeah, excellent thank you Mike and uh, turn that heating up and uh, and we'll catch up <laughs> with you next week cheers <laughs> guys take care the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast there we are that was this afternoon's show Andy you are back on Monday alongside me aren't you back on Monday yeah looking forward to it looking forward to the weekend's football sort of if Chelsea can get a result but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes good stuff okay Motti will join us all the Monday regulars Andy Brassel so until then enjoy all your sports have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.